Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, kids, uh, happy Friday to you as we head into the Victoria Day long weekend. Uh, I am me, you are you, and welcome to Just a Game. Uh, I was uh, a delinquent on Wednesday, uh, not here. Uh, thanks to Danny Austin, Cami Kepke, uh, Peter Mara, and, and others. Uh, it was a great show, um, far better than I would have been capable of putting on Wednesday. So I appreciate uh, Danny uh, jumping into the breach. He'll do it again a week from today. Uh, we won't have a show on Monday uh, because it's a long weekend. Although, who knows? I mean, crazy things have happened. Uh, as we were preparing for this show, uh, you know, we just assumed we'd be at the end of a week before a long weekend and, and talk about, a, a you know, a spectacular hockey game last night to kick off the Eastern Conference Final. Some news and notes and names and things, and we got some good guests to do it, and all of a sudden... Uh, a couple of hours ago, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs decided that they didn't want Kyle Dubas anymore, so they let him go. Um, so the world, uh, according to some, tipped on its ear. Uh, we're doing the right show for this because we have a former NHL general manager joining us. Um, it, it is an, it's been a long, long time for me, so I'm, I'm really excited um, uh, just because of that silliness that is, or pettiness, whatever you want to call it. Well, you're on TSN, so you can't go on Sportsnet, and you're on Sportsnet, and you can't go on T. It's funny how Fox and ESPN don't seem to have that problem down in the States, but we still live under those archaic, barbaric rules. As a result, I was, uh, for many, many years, not allowed to uh, speak on the air uh, to our guest, um, but we had many coffees, many lunches, many breakfasts, and uh, he, I learned a lot from him. So I'm really excited that Craig Button's going to join us today from the Cool Button Podcast and, of course, TSN's Director of Scouting. Also, uh, it is his rotation, his turn, and he is back in town. So joining us live in the Oodle Noodle studio will be Eric Dehachuk from The Athletic. Um, the Arizona story uh, broke earlier this week. Um, want to shed a little light on that, uh, maybe kind of temper some of the conversation about it. Um, I'm all for Quebec City. I'd love to see Quebec City, uh, but I think the, the reality of the situation is uh, the NHL does not want to uh, overload one conference versus the other, so I think that they're looking at Western um, locales. To, you know, if they have to move Arizona, of course, yesterday, uh, the uh, Coyotes, uh, just after dinner, our time, I believe, put out a, a social post. Hey, Coyotes fans, where should we go? And, uh, you know, still working to keep the team in Arizona. Um, again, look forward to having Craig on. Uh, Craig, with a really uh, strong relationship with Gary Bettman, can probably give us a little insight. Um, you know, I, I know Gary, I, you know, I respect him. I, I, I know what he's all about. But even I sometimes wonder, um, I, I get the size of the television market. I get 
you know, I think it would really work well in Scottsdale. I have no problem saying that. Scottsdale's where it should be. That's, you know, Tempe should, where it should be, downtown Phoenix where it should be, but that's not where it's been for most of its existence. And uh, the NHL's fought really hard to keep that team in Tampa. Uh, meanwhile, the local hockey heroes, uh, NHL version, uh, remain GMless. Uh, and I would suggest to you that uh, nothing has changed on, on at least on my point of view. I don't know about you. Uh, does Kyle Dubas uh, change this? No, it doesn't change the scenario. I still think Craig Conroy should be evaluating if this is the right job for him, not whether or not the Flames should evaluate whether or not Craig Conroy is right. Um, and also, and I do want to get into it with both Craig and, and Eric, uh, the reporting uh, first reported by... Uh, um, <clears throat> by Frank Saravelli, um, I believe last week, and then again brought up by Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic that uh, the Calgary Flames are refusing to allow Brad Treliving to interview with other teams and will hold him to his contract um, up until June 30th. And, and that, that's an interesting conversation too, and, and where people land on that. Um, there's some really good friends of mine that have said, hey, I'm not no problem with it. I, I, think, it's, I think it's silly. I think it's, you've moved on, he moved on, you said all these nice things, but now, you, you know, you're not going to let him apply for these jobs. The teams want these GMs in play. Oh, but Robbie will take all, no, it's not how it works. He has to sit the draft. It's been done before, you sit the draft out. When John Weisbrod was hired by Jay Feaster as his right-hand man, Weisbrod had to sit the draft out. Uh, I've seen it before, it's been done before. Um, this is just, I don't know. I, I have opinions on it, but I, for me to start spouting opinions would sound a little more, more like sour grapes. So I'd rather have our experts and our insiders uh, spout um, their opinions on this. Um, do mint, let's go back to last night. I uh, do want to touch briefly uh, just a little bit on the, uh, the playoff, the Stanley Cup playoffs, which continued briefly. Uh, a game that went into four overtimes. Uh, so nice they played it twice. Uh, the Panthers getting a goal from some kid named Kachuk. Um, they, they, you really thought in the third period that the Hurricanes, okay, they got their feet under them, they're at home, they're going to rally back. They just, you know, really kind of dominated. Um, but they couldn't get that go-ahead goal. And then you're stuck in that just seems like over and over and over and over again, um, you know, back and forth and breakdowns but no goals. So the Panthers get an early one-game-to-none lead in this series. Um, I don't think it's going to be a short series. I don't buy into the, you know, oh, it's it's devastating to lose game one and, you know, in, in quadruple overtime. Uh, these are pretty evenly matched teams. Well, the one thing that I, and somebody reminded me of this today, I think it was Darren Haynes, actually, uh, our friend, our pal, our buddy from uh, CP. Uh, they underachieved too, right? If you If you look at what the expectations were for the Florida Panthers, yes. They said goodbye to Mackenzie Weger and, and Jonathan Huberdeau, uh, but they brought in Matt Kachuk, and this was a President's Trophy team last year. They were life and death to make the postseason towards the end of the year, not unlike the local hockey heroes. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, if you were looking through, if you were flipping through your August edition of the Score Hockey Pool Guide, and somebody was doing the predictions, it wouldn't have been crazy to predict Carolina and Florida in an Eastern Conference final. And, and that's what you ended up with. So um, long, drawn out, um, you know, overtime, uh, Kachuk ends it. 
the it's good for I think it's good for the reporters because it, it shakes up the stories and you don't have to write the same same old same old and you don't have to dog the the referees or the league or anything. Um, and now tonight we get uh, Vegas playing host to Dallas. Um, really, uh, really observing the goalies in this one. Because Jake Ottinger, Ottinger has not been the Jake Ottinger that we saw last year in the series against Calgary. Not even close. He has moments, but not close. And Aiden Hill, who's number four, five on the, you know, depth chart, depending on how you look at it, at least third, uh, you know, has bounced around a little bit and finds himself thrust into the into the playoffs now um, after an injury to Laurent Brassois, who wasn't scheduled to be the number one. Um, and you know what? Aiden Hill was great. He was great against the Oilers in the, in the closeout game. He, you know, he's probably a little fresher than everybody else, um, and we'll see. Both of these teams can score. Uh, both of these teams have lots of reasons to predict and, 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 and you know, bet money on them, I suppose. Um, I'll, I'll take Dallas because I, I, I feel compelled to make a choice, um, Oh, I guess I didn't. I'll take Florida and the other one. Oh, but they won. Yeah, yeah, probably. Okay. Um, I just feel compelled to take. I, I honestly, of all the multiple combinations of, of final series we could get, I, I none of them seem that far fetched to me right now. Far fetched earlier, sure. Far fetched at the beginning of the postseason, absolutely. But not right now. All of these teams are, you know deserving of what they've done. Uh, I don't think anybody's had a, a free ride. Uh, Vegas had to beat Edmonton. Dallas got pushed by by Seattle. Um, the, the closest to a free ride, I, I guess, is Carolina. Um, hasn't They haven't really been pushed hard, um, you know, in, in games, I suppose, by the Islanders and, and New Jersey. But And, of course, Florida had to go to seven games against the, the President's Trophy winning, you know, record-setting Boston Bruins. And then... Uh, depositing the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs in five, which uh, apparently, again, brings us back to our news story of the day, which is Kyle Dubas uh, is no longer with the uh, Maple Leafs. And the Leafs have put out the release, so the Leafs fired him. I mean, he was doing a new contract, not unlike uh, Brad Living. His contract is going to run out on June 30th, uh, but he was relieved of his duties. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs will now, you know, begin the search for a, a new general manager, uh, Rumor, that's all it was, uh, midway through the season when, you know, the, the Leafs probably lost two games in a row that, you know, and Brad Treliving and, and the Daryl Sutter stuff was bubbling up. I think there was some attachment of Brad Treliving to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if that's what you want, if that's the job, I wish he, you know, could have an opportunity to go get it. Um, again, you know, being reported that the Flames aren't allowing him to interview with teams, he wasn't allowed to interview with Pittsburgh. Um you know, we'll see. Uh, the, the the Dubas one, and, and that's why I wanted to talk to Craig in a little bit with uh, Eric about it. The Dubas one is not a head-scratcher, but it, it seems familiar in a way that, well, if you were going to fire him, why did you let him talk? You let him talk, and he caught everybody's attention by being honest and real. And, and we're, we're still, in some quarters, still... Uh, struggling, I guess is the best way to put it, with old school, new school, this school, whatever school you go to. Uh, and he was just honest about the the impact that it had his family. He was honest about the burnout. Um, 
I have not talked to Brad True Living about burnout. I have I have no idea. Um, but a lot of people were surmising that after nine, ten years with the same job and and you know the ups and the downs that maybe he felt burned out too. Uh, that seemed to carry the week in Toronto as far as the Maple Leafs went. They had some Blue Jay stuff to deal with too. But um, in Toronto, the, the it certainly felt like um, Dubas's admission that it was impacting his family. I had talked to his family. Uh, I, I think we were all led to believe on Monday or, or felt on Monday that the decision would ultimately be Dubas's whether or not he came back. But, you know, again, the, the veteran reporters would tell you, but you haven't heard from Shanahan yet. You haven't heard from Shanahan. And uh, I understand that Brendan Shanahan will be speaking later today is, is what I, I believe is going to happen. Um, what does that do? Do you, do the Calgary Flames, Don Maloney now calling Kyle Dubas to see if he's interested in the Calgary job? Monday, Dubas said, you know, it was up to his family, and if, if he wasn't coming back, he wasn't going anywhere else. Um, but already there's speculation, what about Ottawa? Well, last I checked, Ottawa wasn't looking for a general manager. Um, nine years. Nine years, Kyle. So Dubas and, and Tree Living in their markets are essentially the same length of time. I do remember the two stories at the time, Brad for living was the, the guy that's done it all started a professional league, which he did the Western professional hockey league came up through the ranks was, a, uh, I believe he was the commissioner of the CHL at once central hockey league, the old central hockey league um, did everything for the, the Arizona coyotes and, and really, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, like uh, Craig Conroy had done everything that you could do to prepare yourself to be a general manager, whereas Dubas was the wonder kid, right? The analytics guru, 26 years old, out of major junior, and, and you know, who calls it major junior anymore? Just me, I guess. Uh, but junior hockey, and, and, you know, was he too young to be the head, you know, the general manager of the Maple Leafs, all those sort of things. Um, how times have changed. And, you know, the same thing could be said about a guy whose name gets thrown into a lot of combinations every once in a while, too, um, as, um, uh, sorry, uh, my, I've lost temper. Oh, uh, John Chaika. John Chaika. So, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a crazy, oh, I have a, uh, a little bit of an issue here. So Jack, if you can come in here, um, we, I, apparently I gave somebody the wrong email. So Craig hasn't got the link. It's hard for a guy to come on the link, uh, or on the show without the link. And, um, I have to get him that link. Um, J Jack, if you're listening in the back, can you come out here? I know Gav's asking for it or asking me to, um, maybe I can do it this way. Um, can you get a hold of, there's the email on there. Um, and can you get that, uh, Gav and, and can you text Craig back? He's looking for the link. So, um, this, yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> oh, I'm old. Sorry, folks. Uh, the guest does want to come on and we will get him the, uh, we will get him the link, um, right away here. Uh, and I mentioned before that our good friend uh, Eric Dehachuk is going to join us in studio. I uh, just got back from California. So we are uh, going to get our guests on here right away. Um, uh, oh, should mention locally, we have not, well, we talked a little bit about the Flames. So it's game five of the third round of the American Hockey League playoffs tonight. One nothing win by the Wranglers on Wednesday night. Uh, this is it. All the marbles... Win and go, win and go on, lose and go home, all of those sort of things. Uh, Coachella Valley and and the Wranglers, which you know finished one two, 
So we really shouldn't be surprised by this. Um, and here we are. We've got a game, a game five tonight. And we have a game three tomorrow at the Dome as the Calgary Roughnecks will play host. Um, uh, will the, the Roughnecks will play host to the Colorado Mammoth. So we're wishing, of course, Mike Board, our friend of the program, good luck. And if he doesn't win, then Andrew McBride, fr- uh, friend of the program, who is an assistant coach with the um, uh, with the uh, the Mammoth, uh, you know, that'll be second prize. Um, Lots of leads me to believe there's lots of tickets available because I'm seeing lots of uh, price breaks and stuff like that. So with the weather being it the way it is, being a long weekend, people going camping and stuff like that, um, you know, I suspect they're going to have to work really hard to get a lot of people in the building, which they do, which they do. Not not taking a shot, just the reality of the situation. When you're, uh, we're so used to having poor poor weather in this country around this time of year and we're having great weather i suspect that the campgrounds are absolutely going to be full so i had one job one job one job did he get it are we good all right um anyway we we're we're you know i'm old technology's past me thanks jack thanks gav And we'll thank Craig if and when we can get him. Um, <laughs> ah, what a crazy, crazy week. What a crazy, crazy week. Um, oh, and uh, sorry, the other thing I was going to, um, um, the other thing that I was going to mention just before we go to, uh, to uh, Craig Button, um, just in the world of hockey, we are getting closer and closer to the Memorial Cup. So um, that's another thing we can probably ask Craig about too, because he's going to be pay, paying close attention. We're like a month away in a couple of days from the draft. Like this is crazy, how uh, <clears throat> you know how how this off season seems to have sped by uh, because of uh, my you know big sausage fingers. Uh, let's get to our guest right now, right now, because we've already wasted. His time. I apologize. Uh, brought to you, of course, by Ski Seller Snowboard. SkiSellerSnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary. Think about it. Beautiful weather right now. But what if you got a little extra? Is, is this the time to go out and get some, you know, new skis? Snow, you betcha. Head on down to uh, Ski Seller Snowboard. Check it out online. SkiSellerSnowboard.com. Uh, it has been forever since um, our next guest and I have been able to do this publicly we we've done this privately but um because of the silliness and the pettiness of of telecoms we were never allowed to talk to each other that much and i do credit him for being a hell of a mentor and a hell of a teacher so it's so nice to have uh, craig button be able to come on this program and spend some time with us craig it's good to see you oh it's great to see you see bob and one of the things that i say to you, i'll share a little story with you i was in switzerland for the world championship we went over great ski. yeah i'm walking down the street and i see a ski sale great skis half price and i'm thinking to myself should i buy these skis and i'm thinking yeah and i'm going how am i going to get them home how am i going to get them home and you know what i thought i said i can get good skis like this at home on a good deal so ski seller and snowboard you'll expect to see me uh, well- <laughs> I'm I'm happy to hear that, 
and Neil will be happy to hear that. Um, you look awfully good. You look really dressed up for a podcast. Something tells me uh, that you're going to have to go to work here right away. Um, surprised by today's announcement in Toronto uh, that Kyle Dubas is not coming back? Well, the, I'm going to answer that question in a second. Listen, oodle, do, oodle noodle. I am here, okay, you know, to, to make sure that I present reasonably. Like, it's not everybody that I put a tie on for. No, I know, and I but appreciate like, it. You know, so, so that's why I do it. But, but you're right. There, there is other obligations that I have. Uh, one of them is uh, to talk about the, uh, the change in Toronto, a significant change. Am I surprised? No, not at all. Mm. I'm not surprised at all. I was listening to the first 10, 12 minutes of Brendan Shanahan's uh, uh, press conference. Uh, he, he he talked about the tone and the tenor of Kyle's press conference on Monday, end of season press conference, and how Brendan started to view it very differently. He started to feel that, you know, maybe he needed to look in a different direction. And he went through a timeline. He went through a, you know, very detailed timeline from yep. Monday. Uh, and, and even before Monday, even back the last summer, but specifically from losing out last Friday to Saturday to Sunday to Monday till today. And he, he came to the decision that he needed to make a change. And I think it was uh, largely predicated on, you know, where Kyle found himself. But I think just as importantly, where Brendan found himself mm. is, you, you know, he acknowledged that the job is a demanding one. It takes a toll on everybody. And that's what you sign up for. And I think that, you know, if you're going to be the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, if, if there's other things that are impacting your ability to do the job, then you, you got to focus on those things and, and not, you, you can't do the job. Brendan was very clear in saying that Kyle wanted to do the job. So yeah. in Brendan's mind, he, he, it changed. It changed on Monday with Kyle's press conference. I arrive here today, not surprised one bit that Kyle Dubas is not the general manager. And I'm not just basing it on Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that as a manager, you recognize at different times what the, what the tasks are in front of you to improve the team. I mean, Kyle, I mean, nobody's going to say that Kyle didn't do a very good job at the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, that would be ludicrous to say that. Yep. But sometimes the hardest steps are the next steps. The steps that say, what are the really really serious considerations I have to undertake to put this team in a better place. Those are not easy. And, and, and whatever those pressures are or whatever Kyle was feeling, I think Brendan started to feel that Kyle wasn't the right guy to make those decisions. And I can understand why you would arrive at that decision. He, you know, he, he built the tenant of his philosophy was built around the core four. He signed them, mm -hmm. but you know, that was five years ago. Yeah. And, and, and a lot has changed in that time. And he can't keep hanging on to five years ago. And I think that Brendan came to that conclusion that somebody different needs to make those decisions. So help me understand this a little bit better. Take, take me back to Monday from your perspective, because I, I had mentioned it a while ago. Not my team, just watching from afar. I don't have a dog in the race. And, and I saw the press conference and I thought it was, you know, very honest. And, and Dubas did talk about the impact on his family and that, you know, he had to talk to them. Did anything in that press conference jump out to you? Did any of that part jump out to you, Craig? 
Listen, I, I, I think the honesty, you, you know, you respect the honesty, but to Brendan's point today, everybody feels pressure. Every, mm -hmm. every single person feels pressure mm -hmm. and, you know, for him to acknowledge it, that's great. I, I, I don't think anybody wouldn't acknowledge whether you be a coach, whether you be a player, whether you be a manager, when, when you're in the spotlight of professional sports yep. and when that spotlight becomes brighter and in, in, in bigger markets and Toronto certainly is the biggest market, yep. you know, you feel those. So I, I, I respect Kyle's, uh, you know, his, his honesty being forthright and talking about it. Well, it's also to, to Brendan's point, if, if this is affecting you and you can't make the hard decisions and it's going to impact your family, that's mm -hmm. going to impact you in, in a negative way, then you simply can't be the manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And quite frankly, that's how I felt on Monday listening to him. Okay. I, I felt that Kyle had reached a point where he really wasn't sure if he was cut out to, to, to take the next steps. Brendan, let me, uh, you, you didn't see the press. No. Brendan said, Right up until yesterday, Thursday, that Kyle said he wanted to come back as GM. And one of the things that Brendan said that they, he was negotiating with Kyle's agent for a long period of time. They thought they had the parameters of a deal. And Kyle, uh, the agent, came back on Thursday with a very different contract uh, proposal that, that, that Brendan said wasn't part of any of the discussions. It changed pretty significantly. And combined with that, and, and was that Kyle's way of saying, I'll stay under these conditions? You know, I, I, I'm not, Brendan didn't say this. I'll say it for Brendan. I think Brendan felt blindsided. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, that's what, like, if you're negotiating over a long period of time, Rob, and, and, you, re, and you feel that you've come to a point that's really good and everybody's happy, and, and both parties have expressed that, and then all of a sudden something changes at yep. the last second. Yep. Like that's being blindsided and Brendan didn't say that. That's my word. I want to be very clear on that, Yep. but that's what it's that, that, that it felt like Brendan felt blindsided and probably just another reason to just say, listen, I, I, nobody ever wants to resign from a job. And, but you, you, you can't be straddling the line. You're either in or you're out. That's the way I feel. I think Brendan came to the point that he's not in. And whether he was 60% in or 80% in, the job requires you to be all in. And, and, I, and I respect that and I understand that. And, I, and there's an old adage about players. If once they start talking about retirement, they may as well be retired, right? Mm -hmm. Because, but I, I feel compelled to ask the question, though, Craig, and I have enough trust in you, you know where this is coming from. As someone who did get burnt out, when somebody comes and says, geez, this was hard on me and hard on the family, and that might lead to them not coming back, is that, is that going to push some people to, to second guess what they say? Are they going to internalize? Are they going to keep from being honest about the impact of them? It, it, I feel a little con conflicted about what I'm hearing here. I don't think you should feel conflicted. I don't think there's anything wrong with the honesty. I, 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 you know what? They're mutually exclusive but inclusive. For, for, for you to do the job, yep. it requires you to be fully invested in the job. Yep. If there's things that are preventing you from being fully invested from the job, you know, whatever they may be, you have to recognize that. And everybody has to recognize that and say, okay, you know what, then, then under, the, under, the, un, under the purview of this job, mm. you know what, y you're in a place right now where you can't lend your full. And, and we respect that. And, and, and I think we, we've reached a point where, 
people have found a way to be more open about it. And, and I have no doubt that whatever Kyle needs in terms of being able to, to deal with the pressures, to deal with the disappointment of not having this job anymore, that MLSD will deliver that right. for him. Okay. But so that's why I say they're mutually exclusive, but inclusive. Yep. Right. Yep. Like, and, 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 and I, and, and, and like I said, like I, I, mm-hmm. I think that Kyle being forthright and honest and, and talking about his feelings was, was really, really something that we should all take to heart and we all should recognize it. And, and part of the, part of the challenge that we have Rob is that we end up in places sometimes where, where, where things are adversely affecting us. And two things that, that, that we, I don't want to say struggle with, but, but, but that we're afflicted with. Number one, that we really, really like the job and we really don't want to admit that we might not be able to do it. And then, and then number two is, is being open about saying, this is the reasons why I can't. Yeah. I, I think the second part, we, we've reached, the, I think we've made some strides of being able to say that. But the first part, I think that's where Brendan had to get to. He had to say that, you know what, you, 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 you've expressed to me now that, you're, that, that I don't really have the faith and confidence that this is something that, uh, something that requires your full investment isn't there. And I respect that too. I, you can respect both sides of that. Absolutely. And I'm glad I asked the question because that, that helps out. So thank you for that. Um, one of the, you know, obviously we can tie it to the local story, but I'm, I'm more curious as a, you know, as a former general manager and a candidate for a job and that with this position coming open uh, and, a, and somebody like Brad for Living who we are understanding that the Flames are not allowing to talk to teams, is that okay? Is that copacetic? Is that, you know... I, I, I'm not, again, sorry, Craig, I didn't expect you to come on and solve all my problems for me, but I don't know how I feel about that either. It's okay. I mean, hey, <laughs> listen, you know what? You've helped me solve problems in the past. I'll try to help you solve some problems right here in the present. <laughs> That's what friends do. That's they what friends do, exactly. Around, right? like, yeah. So here's what I would say about the situation with Brad. And, you know, people say that I'm just, you know, that I'm making it just, one way or another. Brad signed a contract yep. that expires on June 30th. Yep. And, you know, he's the one that signed the contract. So whatever that contract says, you know, if, if, if it says that the Flames do not have to grant the permission or it says they do, you, you live by the contract. Murray Edwards knows lots about contract law. <laughs> and so what I would say is, you know, you asked me if it's copacetic. You know, if, if you don't think it's copacetic, Brad should have thought about that when he signed the contract. Right. That's the, I, I look at it really simply, uh, Rob. You know what? Don't start whining to me. I'm not saying you. No, no, I know what you're saying. That's the wrong, that, that's yeah. the wrong word to use. That, no, I want to I take that word out because that's the wrong word to use. Okay. You can't start complaining about something that you agreed to. <laughs> nope, nope. You, yep. You, and, and, and so I think in this respect, you know, Brad's not, I get it. Brad's eager. He's, he's anxious. He wants the interview for jobs. He wants to be in the mix. I understand that. But you, you, you can't now say, well, you know, this, this is what, but I don't really like that part of it. Because it works, it cuts both ways. Because yep. what happens if somebody, what, like if you want it that way, what happens if Murray, and, and, and I'm just using Murray or an owner, I'll keep Murray out of it. Once if an owner comes to an employee and says, you know what, I, we, 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 we agreed to, to pay you X, but you know what, you didn't make the playoffs, so, you know, we're going to cut your salary by 10%. Well, that's not what we agreed to. Yep. So it cuts both ways. So to me, 
it, 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 it like, like I look at it and, and, and that's the way it has to be. And, and as unfortunate as Brad may look at it or others may look at it, I, I really break it down to its simplest terms. Um, so speaking of simple things, um, I, I know that you know Gary Bettman very well. We've had many conversations with Gary. The news out of Arizona this week, and they don't move ahead with Tempe. What's what's happening with with Gary and his staff right now? What you know, Gary's a prepared individual. What what is going on at the NHL offices right now when it comes to the future of the Arizona Coyotes in in that state? I I, I I'll answer this in a in a macro level because it's applied to the way he's operated with all franchises in the National Hockey League. You know, you're always working, you, you know, with the ownership and, 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 and the local authorities, you know, to when you're in a place and, and, and you have a franchise established there, you, you want to do everything you can to make it work. You, you want to understand what potential solutions are, what the challenges are, you know, what the commitment is from the owner, from present ownership there, it, and, and everything that goes with it. And, and until those are exhausted, Gary is going to be committed to that market. I mean, he, he, he tried, he exhausted everything he could with Atlanta yep. before he realized, you, you know, understand too, like people say he left Atlanta. There was nobody willing to come and buy the Atlanta Thrashers nope. to keep it in Atlanta. So I, I can't speak for the present owner in, in Arizona, but, but that has always been Gary's mantra. That's how we're going to operate. And, and, and Rob, he, he's operated that. And, and, and I always remind people, he did it with the Montreal Canadiens back in 2001. Mm-hmm. He did it with the Ottawa Senators. He did it with the Calgary Flames. He did it with the Edmonton. And a lot of people don't realize that his fight for those four Canadian teams was significant. He, 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 people say, oh, he doesn't like Canada. That is false. Yep. And Harley, the late Harley Hotchkiss, you know, the late great Harley Hotchkiss, was the uh, chairman of the Board of Governors and, you know, instrumental uh, with respect to, you know, being a Canadian voice. And, and Gary took that Canadian voice seriously. But you, you don't want a, a, a league to be jumping here, there, and everywhere. Now, we can look at the Arizona situation on a micro level and talk about, you know, it just seems that they can't get any traction there. Mm-hmm. That's disappointing to the NHL. It's disappointing to the new owner. What the solutions are now, and Gary will have – a, a whole list of solutions yep. and, and, and okay, what's the viability of this? What's the viability of that? What makes sense? And, and, and relocation will be one of them. Like nobody's, but you, you got to look at, and under the current CBA and you know, we all see that there's no perfect CBA. There's pros and cons to every CBA. So I'm going to just leave that alone for now, but under the CBA, you know, you have to contribute to revenues. You can't just take from the revenue pie. And, you know, that's where expansion came in with Vegas and Seattle and people go, why not Quebec? Well, the evaluation of Quebec up to that point in time was, can they sustain? It's not just putting people in the stands. It's sustaining a revenue model that is that is that is essential to the CBA for 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 the for for the owners and the players. So that's where I talk about viability. And, you know, you have an owner that's very committed. I mean, he came in and bought the team. He had a plan. He's got to be massively disappointed about the referendum. And, and, and I mean, it was resoundingly defeated. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it, you, you, when it's close, you could go, okay, why? But it, but, but it seems like it just it, it, it doesn't have traction to go any further. So now you got to look at other options, and relocation has to be one of them. But Gary 
has always been committed to trying to find every reasonable opportunity to keep a franchise in its present location. And if that is exhausted, then a franchise will move. Yeah, and, and I, I listen, uh, you're absolutely right about, we, we have short-term memory, don't we? Because we forget about the work that was done to keep the, the markets in, in Canada. And, and quite honestly, mm-hmm. they've done a remarkable job with Ottawa, uh, you know, Somebody Forbes valued it at what four hundred and fifty million, and now it might go for a billion dollars. That doesn't happen by accident, Craig. Right? No, it, it doesn't, and and it doesn't happen with a league that isn't strong. And and yeah. and again, there's there's pros and cons to this. But and, and I talk about this with agents and mm-hmm. league league executives at different points in time. This league has grown to thirty two teams. The jobs, the 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 the, the business is now. to $5.8 billion. I mean, just think about how franchise values are up, right? And, Mm -hmm. and, and and like I said, is there something that's perfect? No, the next, the next CBA that's perfect will be the first one, but (laughs) there is nobody that can argue about the viability of this league and nobody should compare it to the NFL or the NBA. Take it as the NHL and what has happened and what has been done and go from there. But you talk about Ottawa, a lot of owners in this league are looking very favorably on somebody willing to come in and buy that franchise for near that amount. And then you go from there, you know, that's exactly what ends up, uh, you know, creating a sense of security in buying a franchise. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I am curious as a player evaluator, uh, you know, and it's really noticeable to me that Vegas and Seattle come in and we just did not have the hue and cry about the, the drain on talent that we had when Ottawa and Tampa Bay came in and Columbus and Minnesota. It just always seemed like at that time it was, wow, we're diluting the talent. There's not enough talent. You were around during those, you know, the Nashville and the, the, the Minnesota expansions, the Columbus expansions. Is there more talent globally now than there was then or are we just used to it for the lack of a better term? I, I I think I would answer that question in two ways, Rob. Okay. I, I think that, uh, yes, very much so there's more talent. Uh, and, and I think, number two, there's been a development of more talent. Mm. You know, one of the things, I mean, let's just look at Austin Matthews coming out of Arizona. Let's look at the Sun Belt. Look at how many players, like, are, are coming out of non-traditional hockey markets. Because, because you have a presence there. If you go and look in all the different markets that, that are what we would call non-traditional hockey markets, just look at all the minor hockey programs that have been, that, that have been created. Yep. You, you know, boys and girls. Yep. And you, 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 I remember Jim Lights. When we moved down to Dallas in 1993, Jim Lights had come from Detroit. Mike Gillich, his, his uh, former father-in-law, you know, had said that, like, we got we got to build – they built Little Caesars in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And Jim and Bob Ganey said, we're going to build hockey here. We had one ice pad in Dallas yep. when we got there. They built rinks. They got kids invested. They got kids interested in hockey. And now there's lots. I mean, Blake Coleman's from the Dallas area. That's right. Blake Coleman, they'll tell you about being from Dallas and everything. So I, I, I think, and Bob Ganey said, if we get good athletes playing hockey, we're going to get really good hockey players. And I think that that's what we have. We, we've seen... And, and, and it's been more open. The European market, the Europeans have come over. Mm-hmm. And I also think the rule packages that came out of the old 0405 lockout yeah. have been really significant. Yeah. You know, it, 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 you now have the game is, is skating. The high-end skill is always going to be the high-end skill. 
but the game is quick and it's fast and it's uh, it, and it gives opportunity to players that can that that can move and, and and play at that pace in different ways. They all play in different ways to 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 be in the game. And I think that that's made the game really really strong. And by extension, allowed the Vegas Golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken to field really competitive teams. The other part of that too is is that after the expansions, when the new expansion teams didn't get very much to pick from. Oh. They made sure that those expansion teams paying big money to come in the league yeah. had a better pool of players to select too. Could, could this league go to 34? Could it go to 36? Jesus, you know, you're putting me on the spot now. I, I hate to, I hate to say no, but I have a hard time saying yes. A real difficult. I, I do too. I, I do too. To be perfectly honest, I really do. I think this is where we. But if that's truly the case, if it's an expanded, um, you know, market, because Quebec is likely not going to get the Arizona Coyotes because it's the wrong side of the continent, right? Um, you know, is there a solution here that sees two more teams come in? Well, Quebec, I don't think is going to want to pay a billion dollar expansion fee, right? That's that puts you in a well, hole early. That? Yeah, well, it doesn't. It, it depends who's going to like. Yeah. If you're looking at franchise values and you start to look, well, wait a second, it might be a good investment. I mean, like if you look at where owners have bought and and where they bought at, and now you see franchise values where they're at. I mean, you're going to have to make you're going to have to make a decision on what your capital investment is, and then ultimately what your return is going to be. That's true of any investment. Right. So, my, my hesitation on on. On, on on saying yes is 34 teams you know 36 teams do we have enough like remember that when we're bringing when, when we're expanding okay we can spread the pool of talent around the nhl mm -hmm. but you're bringing up players that aren't capable of playing in the nhl right now mm -hmm. that dilutes your talent level. yep i'm not so sure i want to dilute the talent level that's why I say we, we can talk about the economics. And, mm -hmm. You know, I hear lots of things about, oh, Toronto, should, they should put another team in Toronto. L let me be very clear on this, Rob. Mm -hmm. The Toronto Maple Leafs are never going to allow another team to come into Toronto. Ever, 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 <laughs> ever. They have a monopoly there. They are not giving it up. <laughs> so everybody should just stop talking about another team in Toronto. Never going to happen. You seem adamant on that point. Um, one last one before we let you go uh, to dazzle an entire nation on television, uh, which is what you will do. Um, and that has to do with, because I loved, you and I, and I never, ever forget this, one of the greatest hockey moments of my life. You and I sat and watched an American Hockey League game up at Edmonton during the lockout. And we sat there and we talked mm -hmm. about players. And I'm all, I always think about our conversation. What happened to Matt Kachuk in 12 months? Because the Matt Kachuk, who scored the overtime goal last night, was not the same Matt Kachuk who bowed out in five games with his teammates against Edmonton in the second round last year. He was hurt, number one. I mean, I mean. Well, that's the, huge, Dan. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But 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 he had the laceration from the first series. He was able to recover from it. But then he had a hand injury. Mm. And when when your game is predicated on holding the puck, and I mean, think about how many close plays he had in and around the net against the Edmonton Oilers in that second round series that he couldn't finish on. And he had a bad hand. He yeah. had a bad hand that he was trying to fight through. And, and so what I would say is, I mean, he, he was a, he was a dominant player last year uh, for the Calgary flames during the regular season, you know, injuries become part of it and, and, and certainly can impact you in a negative way. 
he, he's not dealing with that this year. He was every bit as impactful this year for the Florida Panthers. And, you know, I, I mean, obviously you end up being somebody that is, uh, 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 that moves in a big trade and everything. And now the focus, because Florida's onto the conference final, you know, you get, and then he scores the overtime goal. I mean, it's, and he hadn't scored in what, six games. And now he scores a, a huge, I mean, the thing about Matthew is I always say this about Matthew and, and there's a lot of players that fall in this category. One thing you know about Matthew is that if he's only 75%, you're going to get 100% of his 75%. Now, we can look at numbers and we can look at product and go, well, why didn't he score? Mm. You know, bad hand is going to affect yep. a player like Matthew Kachuk, and I think that that can apply to different players. But you always know whatever level of health he's at, you're going to get 100% of Matthew Kachuk, and that's what the Florida Panthers know, and I, I think that that's what Calgary Flames saw as well. Uh, you know, regardless of whether he was 75% healthy or 100% healthy. Well, we always get 100% of you, and I'm proud to tell you that you've you've risen again in my uh, my uh, charts of, of buttons. You're now my favorite button. Your wife drops to two, <laughs> Todd drops to three. So I, this was amazing. It was so good to get you back on the Cool Button Podcast. Of course, we want everybody to watch that. You're on TSN. My hope is that you'll come back and do this one more time at some point. No, I'll do that any time with you. And I'm just down the street from you, so I can come up to the new. But you know what, Rob? You can talk to me. I'm glad you're keeping me up. My eldest daughter is going to have her first child at the end of November. Oh. We're going to be grandparents. So in my house, you know, I, I just slipped. The reason we never – I love dogs. The reason I never got a dog was I would just slip behind the dog. Yeah. Well, with a grandchild coming, I'm just slipping down the, the, down the roster. So the fact that you've kept me up at the, near the top – you know, it's it's based on past history, but I'll take it. All right. It, it's No, it's based on today. It's based on today. Craig, as always, I appreciate this. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Ooh, <laughs> that was harsh. And he's gone. But he's got to jump. He's going, uh, he's going on to TSA. He texted me earlier. Of course, you know, I'm the one that gives everybody the wrong email. But I had the number right. And he texted me earlier and said, hey, I got to jump off a little early because I got to do TSN. No kidding. Uh, Kyle Dubas. And... This is why I I love this part. This this is the show. Like this this is this is the stuff. Ty, are you listening? Nah, I know. Let's just stay with stuff. This is the stuff I love because I bring Craig on, and I I'm adamant that you can't tell me that that you know Kyle Dubas was honest on Monday and Friday. They're letting him go because he was honest. No, Craig puts it in perspective. No, no. If it's, we need you invest. Okay, yes, yes. And, and context matters, right? And, and everything is not black and white. Everything is not black and white. Um, so, <laughs> just, uh, Jack, I need you again. <laughs> Eric, we were hoping to get in studio, but uh, has just, because he's writing on, on deadline because of Dubas too. Can we send him a Zoom link, please? You still have his email? Okay. Uh, check with Gav. He might have his email. But uh, we were hoping to have him in studio. But he, of course, too, is, uh, is writing. But, you know, the same thing about, uh, you know, Kachuk and ding, ding, ding. This is why you bring smarter people on. Like, you, you don't get smarter by, you know, bringing on people who are, you know, perfect. Uh, we'll get him on. Uh, so it, it, as expected, it was the Shanahan 
press conference. So um, we fully appreciate that. So we'll get them on when we can. My point being is, the, the, you know, it's funny. The, the Internet's a crazy place, right? So, you, you know, we, we put out the highlights of the show and I say something and people go, who don't listen to the show or don't watch the show or don't have the context, react to that or whatever. And, yeah, you're this, you're that. I never said I'm an expert. I'm not an expert. I'm not an insider. I I tell you great stories about me and Kelly Kirsch at the radio station in 960 and, and long, drawn-out conversations about insiders. And um, I've never been an insider. I really haven't. Um, you know, what Elliot does, what Chris Johnson does, what Frank does, um, you know, what these guys do is incredible with the amount of work they put into it. That's never been my thing. My thing is about asking questions. And I'm, you know never comfortable when somebody says, oh, I agree with everything you say. Oh, please don't say that. Please don't say that. Please never say that. All I would ask is that every once in a while, um, oh, hold on, we're just, uh, yep, no problem. I'm just, uh, he's going to do it Zoom. I just didn't know if, if we can, if we're going to lose him or we're all good. Okay. But it's that kind of day, right? Like, you know, the Duba stuff changes a whole lot of things. Oh, there's another one. I'm all pissy because, you know, my friend Brad Treliving can't go and apply for a job. There's Craig Button, black and white. You sign it, you don't like it. Yeah, well, you know what? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's why I like having Craig. That's why I like having Eric on and Pete on. And I like having you guys around too. You're not bad either. Oh, one day we're going to do a real cool professional show. This is not that day, but one day. Uh, by the way... You heard it from Craig Button, my favorite Button. No, no disrespect, Kara, his wife. Or Todd Button. I like Todd too, but today Craig is my favorite. Uh, ski seller, snowboard. Craig could have bought skis in Switzerland. Chose not to. Where's he going to go? Uh, ski seller, snowboard. Ski seller, snowboard.com. There you go. That's all you need to know. Uh, we are broadcasting today live from, uh, uh, well, from the seven, uh, Treaty 7 territory. I was going to say that wrong, too. Uh, everybody is welcome. This is an all-inclusive podcast. Uh, you are safe here. We are glad you're here. A um, little frustrated that, uh, for some reason, um, we still feel like in politics we need to make villains out of a, a, a community, uh, which uh, did not go unnoticed this week, um, which is really disappointing that we're there, but... That's why we are allies, right? That's why we uh, promote our allyship, so that people know where we stand. Uh, Calgary in uh, Scottsdale. It's not Scottsdale. It's Coachella Valley in, uh, in the desert. Not well, it's Palm Springs, so it's not exactly next to Scottsdale. Uh, one nothing win. Cole Schwint with a game winner on Wednesday. Uh, Dustin Wolf with the shutout when they needed it the most. Uh, now for all the marbles. Is there anything better than a game five in a five-game series, game seven in a seven-game series, or game nine in a nine-game series. Uh, no, I don't think there is. And you can uh, follow along tonight. Uh, Sandra Persina is calling it on the radio. Uh, again, really excited for her. Uh, she's done an outstanding job this year. Speaking of guys who did outstanding jobs, um, just a little love for my dear friend Chris Johnson and uh, Julian McKenzie, who I have yet to actually spend any time with and meet, follow and, and listen to on his on the podcast with uh, uh, CJ. But if you didn't, if, if, that's a good listen. Like last, yesterday's podcast was one of the best hockey podcasts I've heard in a long time. Uh, just really raw, and it had a lot of local content, but 
I respect the hell out of Chris Johnson uh, because I know the work he puts in and, uh, you know, you can tell it's rubbing off because Julian McKenzie's a heck of a young reporter and, you know, he's put in his time in Montreal and he's done his things. And, uh, you know, uh, Salim was in here on uh, on Wednesday with, with Danny Austin. There's, you know, as much as I bitch and moan about how the uh, business is eroding, there's some really good young young writers and young broadcasters and stuff like that. That's the cool part. But uh, back to CJ's podcast and with Julian, uh, it's worth a listen. If you just the vantage point, I, I think sometimes I say something or somebody else in Calgary says something. It's easy to kind of go, well, he's at sour grapes. You know, you used to be there. You're not there anymore. And, and that's fair. I mean, I try to be as upfront and honest about, you know, where I'm coming from and, and what my life experiences are. But when somebody like CJ jumps in and, and, um, yeah, I just thought it was an excellent podcast. So uh, a little love that way to our friends out there. Um, Dallas and the Vegas Golden Knights coming up tonight as the Western Conference Final continues. Just a, a series matchup uh, board here, just to take a look at at how close they are. Um, you know, obviously, which, <laughs> obviously... This one is staggering to me. It's not obviously, it's staggering. Look at the five-on-five goals against for Dallas versus uh, Vegas. And the thing that, and and now, Gab, this is not me running at your favorite club, so don't all of a sudden pull the plug on the show. It's staggering to me that Vegas comes through a long series with the Edmonton Oilers and and has only given up 15 goals against five-on-five. Like, that is staggering to me. Um, And here are your goaltenders tonight. Jake Ottinger, who nearly stole that series last year in the first round against against, uh, Calgary. Um, He's been just average. And then there's Aiden Hill at the other side, who uh, what he's done this year is his career numbers in the NHL in the playoffs. Um, And they're really, really good. He, again, it's, to me... Like that Edmonton Oilers team is a handful. Those two players are a handful, and there's some guys behind them that are Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And and I'm not I'm not dissecting the Oilers season or anything like that. I'm just really impressed with what Vegas was able to do defensively. Um, the the power play for the Oilers was almost a gimme, right? Like if they got a power play, they were getting a goal. Not quite, but very close to that. And yet Vegas somehow managed to um, survive all of that with really good numbers. I just don't trust Dallas not to find another gear, if that makes sense. I just don't trust Jake Ottinger that what we've seen from Jake Ottinger is Jake Ottinger. I, he had, he's had his moments. He's had his flashes. Um, and a lot was made about the scouting that Seattle had done on him. A um, lot was made about, you know, whether or not Seattle exposed him. Uh, I, I, it reminds me of the Corey Crawford can't catch stuff. Uh, one year when the, 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 the Blackhawks were rolling to a Stanley Cup. You know, oh, uh, Corey Crawford can't catch. The, you know, I can't even remember who they were playing, but, oh, their video coach, you know, they found out they can't catch, and that became a storyline. Uh, hell, you want to, uh, Retro was on the Barnburner today. They were talking about, uh, I believe it's the anniversary now of Game 6, the the win over the uh, Sharks, or, uh, or maybe it was just Game 2. I can't remember. But it, they were talking about the San Jose series, and um, 
you know, I go all the way back to the, the Vancouver series in 2004 uh, when Dan Cloutier can't go and, and Al, you know, they, they turn to Johan Hedberg. Oh, and, and the whole storyline out of the bank, Vancouver media was, oh, it's Johan Hedberg is going to change this series. His ability to handle the puck will completely change this series. All tips in favor of the Vancouver Canucks and the Flames go out and beat the hell out of Johan Hedberg and he's done and Alex Ald comes in and the rest of this, they say, is history. Um, so a lot was made about, you know, Jake Ottinger in that Seattle series, whether or not the, the Kraken had, you know, figured him out. So we'll see. Vegas got a good coaching staff, so you know they've watched everything. They, they've gone back. You know, where, where was the success for... Uh, Seattle, where was the success, you know, uh, you know, Minnesota had against Dallas. They're going to do that same thing. I just think Jake Ottinger's young, but a thoroughbred and has the ability to bounce back. And if he bounces back, he's going to make life very difficult for, for the uh, Golden Knights. Um, Jack Eichel's rolling now. I'm kind of happy for Jack. Um, you know, here's a young guy that had the unfortunate luck of, of being number two behind Connor McDavid. Uh, any other draft, and he'd probably be a first overall. But, you know, and, and I don't want to speak for Buffalo fans. I don't want to speak for the Buffalo media or anything like that. It just always felt that his time in Buffalo was what could have been, what might have been, but was Jack instead. And then the injury and that whole, how dare you go against our doctors and you know, that, and choosing to go down his path. And that, that's created a whole controversy about whether or not you, you have the right as a professional athlete to seek your own tra- uh, health care and, and treatment and, uh, you know, the eventual trade, which the Calgary Flames were in right until the end. And it's funny, um, at one point, Matt Kachuk was involved in a, in a trade there. Uh, his name had popped up. Um, and I, I don't know, I, you know, I have my theory that, that the flames were just a stocking horse to drive up the price for Vegas or whoever else. I don't think he was ever, uh, you know, I think the flames wanted him, and, and sure, surely Buffalo talked about it, but I, I, he just felt like a stocking horse to me. He ends up in Vegas. He's been banged up a bit. And then in this playoff has shown up. Um, you know, what can you say about stone? You know, Mark stone's a, a hell of a player. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, it's not a matter of being a fan or whatever. Um, Vegas, I don't know. They just rubbed me the wrong way. All you know, right from the get go. Um, you know, uh, there was other teams that had to, you know, go through strife and all of that. But you know, Craig Button talked about it. If you're bringing a team in, you know, can they afford to wallow in the mud? So this team has just had success. You know, almost handed to it in the way the draft worked out. They did a great job. Don't get me wrong. They buffaloed a lot of the league. They forced the stuff on the league. And, you know, they went to a Stanley Cup final in their, in their inaugural season, which is absolutely unprecedented in major sports and, and have not really gone away since. Go through coaches like they go through candy, and they have no problem spending money and, and you know, uh, trading assets. And uh, their loyalty is to a point. And when you're no longer valuable to them, Flurry coming off of Vesna, Pacioretty, goodbye, we'll move on. And, and that's a cutthroat way of doing business. And um, I got to be honest with you, if I was a season ticket holder in Vegas, uh, maybe I wouldn't know any different, but I've been spoiled and life is good. And uh, it 
should be a good series. It should really be a good series. Dallas, you know, I <clears throat> I guess. I, I, I can't even remember. I might have picked Vegas earlier. So I'm going to go. Yeah, I might have. So I'm going to go Dallas and Carolina now. So if you go back and listen to the podcast, if you rewind the podcast, I'm pretty sure I went with uh, Vegas and, and, uh, and ta- uh, Tampa. Vegas and Florida earlier. So now I believe I predicted most of the combinations that can happen in that series. That's, that's exactly how invested into all of this that I am. Eric DeHatchek will join us in a couple of minutes. Uh, he did have a chance to listen to the, uh, the Brendan Shanahan uh, uh, press conference, which uh, Craig Button was referencing. So we're going to pick his brain on that. Uh, we will talk a little bit about the Flames general manager search. Uh, I know that, uh, that Pierre Lebrun and Frank Saravelli and others have suggested that it's coming to an end. Um, I don't have, again, told you, I'm not a... Uh, <clears throat> I am not a uh, an insider by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I don't think anything's going to happen. I, everybody's hypersensitive to a comment that, that Don Maloney made about having a general manager in place for the scouting meetings. And while that would be ideal, um, nothing says you can't push your scouting meetings, right? Like, so you're telling me that your regional scout for New England uh, who has to go to a basketball tournament that his cousin's playing in the following week is going to keep the Calgary Flames from ha- moving? Uh, no. The, the timetable is when the general manager search is over. The timetable is when the uh, appropriate candidate accepts the offer. The timetable is when you have all the position pieces in place to make that announcement. Doubt very much that Peter Handlin and his crew over at the Flames want to do anything over the long weekend. Don't expect anything here late in the afternoon. But who, who expected, you know, who expected the, uh, you know, the announcement out of Toronto, right? It's the way it works. Uh, Gav is just letting me know that apparently Arizona now teasing a new arena. Um, <laughs> so if this tweet gets, to, I think they've been hacked. Gav, so this is completely legit, right? This is their account. I don't know if they can afford the $8 a month to get the blue uh, check mark, so I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, last night, they put this out. This was their, uh, their poll yesterday. Uh, Mesa, Mesa, Scottsdale, Chandler, and Gilbert. Um, and I think I've been saying this before about Scottsdale. Uh, it will work in Scottsdale. It will work in Scottsdale. And I don't think because the predominant audience for this podcast is, is Calgary-based or around Calgary. So I think there's a lot of people that know Scottsdale really well. Um, I love it. I've been there a couple times, um, hockey-related, obviously. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's a great community. And, you know, the great Charlie Simmer, who I, I spent uh, some time with, who worked in, in Arizona, that was always his point is that, you know, we'd go to the – in Glendale, and, and the, he goes, if you could just pick this arena up and put it in Scottsdale, this place would be full every day, and that was always the prevailing feeling. So, um, you know, and we talked to we talked to Craig Button. We talked to Craig about, um, you know, what Gary, Gary Bettman, you know, he sent out the terse little release. The NHL wasn't happy. They were shocked and everything, but Gary Bettman never has uh, a situation in which there isn't a plan B, and in this case, there's probably a plan B and C um, who knows? I, I just don't think this story is dead. I wonder, though, is this a book you would read? Is this a book? Would you read a book 
about the area. If you're a hockey book person, you know, if you're, a, you know, a fan of hockey and you get the, you know, every year I think Bob McKenzie puts out a book at Christmas and there's always some autobiographies. We had Bruce Dobigan on a little while ago and Eric DeHatchuk, who will join us here momentarily from The Athletic, he's written books. Would you read a book about the saga of the Arizona Coyotes and their home and their Glendale? Or the other option, would you watch a Netflix show on it? And I'm not saying documentary. Could Would you watch a scripted drama about the arena situation and the, and the life and times of the Arizona Coyotes? Would that have any interest? Is there any of that drama that would entertain you? Is there any of that that you could see as exciting? Is there any of that as you could see as entertainment on any level? Because it's gone on for a long time. And it was funny when the uh, vote was when the results for the vote were announced earlier in the week. How quickly everybody just started rubbing their hands with glee, going, "We're moving! They're moving! They're moving!" And um, you know, uh, somebody put out a tweet. Did we? Gab was it? Tw- did you have the tweet with the attendance? You did, didn't you? The attendance in in Quebec versus the att- there you go. So. There's the attendance in Quebec City with the Ramparts in their last four home games because they're going to likely win the, uh, the Quebec League and, and move on to the Memorial Cup. And they're the last four games in, uh, in Arizona in, at the school, at ASU, which, of course, holds 4,600, so they sold all three, four out. Um, and I'm a Nor- – yep, I would love to see the Nordiques back. Um, I don't know why – but I was always very confident that Winnipeg was going to get a team again. I was always very confident that uh, a team, and I thought it was Arizona, to be perfectly honest, I, just because of the, you know, I, the, they're not going to dig their heels in for 20 years on this. <laughs> well, they have. Um, you know, ended up being the Thrashers. But I was always confident, you know, five years out that Winnipeg was going to get a team. They got a team. I have never felt confident that Quebec is going to get a team. That don't mix that up with should or shouldn't. I just wasn't conf- I'm just not confident about it um, f- for a number of reasons. One of which, which um, just a little while ago, Mr. Button referenced, and I will reference too, is is there enough there there um, to support a club? Uh, we've had um, stories about the Winnipeg Jets really struggling this year that. They're really nervous about what their season ticket number might be. They're really nervous about, you know, whether or not they can continue to create the revenue gener- and re- generate the revenue that they need to keep that team viable. Um, now, bigger arena in Quebec, no doubt about it. The, and the facility is superb, no doubt about it. Um, there's a motivated owner in waiting. Uh, the gentleman who I believe is now the owner of the Montreal Alouettes, would be a motivated uh, owner in waiting, and which is exactly what happened to Mark Chipman and True North. They were owners in waiting for Winnipeg. They were told to to stay out of the spotlight, just to be quiet. You know, I don't want to say sit down, do what you're told, but you know, Gary Bettman had his plan. He doesn't. It's funny. There's a movie out now about BlackBerry, Jim Ball Silly. He doesn't want remember Jim Balsilly and and Nashville and Jim Balsilly in Pittsburgh and Jim Balsilly in Hamilton and all of those sort of things. They don't want a repeat of that. 
Um, so, you know, there may be a, an owner in waiting in Quebec, um, but is there enough there, there? Um, if you need to count on corporate support in that province, how much of that is going to be crippling to the Montreal Canadiens? How much of that are you going to take away from the Canadians to prop up the Nordiques? The reality is they're billion-dollar businesses. They are. Um, the, the, the cost to play has is, is never been greater. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Montreal at one point needed help to stay around early 2000s. Uh, I'm not suggesting Montreal's in any trouble. That's, that's not my point. I just don't know if there's enough there there. Um, to warrant another team in Quebec right now. I hope so. Um, I'd like to see it there. And since we're going down that path, hell, give me back the Whalers too. We didn't get into it with Craig. We will likely get into it with Eric. Um, the line of demarcation in all of this may be the Eastern Western Conference, that there's not an appetite to take a team out of the West and add a team in the East and go to a unbalanced conference um would that prevent the league from redrawing conferences you know we go east west uh, i'm going to say this and a lot of you are going to react to this um somewhat negatively but could you go north south to even things out probably but the problem with north south is it doesn't take into consideration the time zones right you really want your conferences and your divisions broken up relatively close by time zones wouldn't be the case in the north south conference um but is that the only way to go i mean is is if the only thing is keeping quebec out of the nhl right now is the fact that you don't want to go to 17 and 15 then is there another way of doing this but let's also lay all the cards on the table salt lake city which my whole adult life was all it was was an ihl team and you know, for a long time, and now an ECHL team. I had never, you know, there's Utah players, Trevor Lewis, I believe, not Trevor Lewis. Maybe it was. Anyway, there's players from Utah. um, There's hockey, minor hockey in Utah. But I was never of the opinion that that Utah was a place in it. But recently, Utah and, and Ryan Smith, the owner of the, not that Ryan Smith, not even the other Ryan Smith, but the Ryan Smith, the owner of the Utah Jazz, has been approached or courted or talked to about possible ownership. Houston, which, you know, if Calgary leaves, they're going to Houston, right? That's that's always been there. Um, Houston is a desirable market in the NHL's eyes because of its television presence and the size of its television market. They covet, have the biggest markets in television in the United States. However, uh, I guess it's still the same with streaming. I was going to say that that's more of an old-school television set thing but still population wise Houston's a big place um you know uh, Sacramento just got a new building um you know San Francisco well no I guess San Jose's there so (laughs) good lord now I'm putting a team in where San Jose is um you know it's 
that's and and I'm I'm thinking there's one more too, and I, it's not Portland because I think Portland's not it. Um, Sacramento. Uh, anyway, there's enough options in the West. I think from the National Hockey League standpoint that they don't have to you know look outside and and break up the conference uh, numbers. So. I believe we have our next guest. Gav, am I cool to go ahead? Okay, perfect. Uh, of course, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. Speaking of, uh, our next guest has a, uh, an, affinity, an affinity somewhat to skiing because he came out west to cover skiing, and that's where his career really took off. Uh, and, and then he got into hockey, and it, it skyrocketed, and now he works for The Athletic. Three locations in Calgary, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, Bow Ridge Road Northwest. Eric DeHatchuk joining us here on this Friday afternoon. Um, hey, what's new? What's up? Uh, you got anything to do? Are you busy? What's going on? Ah. <laughs> well, so you know how my Friday usually works, Rob. You know, uh, by one o'clock, I usually have my uh, weekly NHL notes column done. I was really humming along last night even, uh, but I was planning to do something on, on what's next for Toronto and Edmonton. And then, of course, this morning we found out what's next for Toronto, or at least part of what's next for Toronto. And I had a take on it. And then Brendan Shanahan had a press conference. And honestly, you know, when you think about, you know, like so many press conferences say so little. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this was just unbelievable, the detail about exactly what transpired from the time that, you know, Kyle Dubas did his end of season uh, interview with the media and then the decision that they are looking for a new general manager today and you know from the the public initial first statement that they had to the incredible detail that that Shanahan uh, went into made you realize okay that was way messier than than you know three paragraphs in a in a prepared statement suggests so right. pull the column back and add some details and and I, I think I'm done I hope I am. <laughs> anyway but no I mean completely fascinating and, and what I'll tell you you know because I don't think I'm I'm jumping the gun I should have my column posted soon is that my first thought was that Calgary and, and Toronto need to cha- need to trade former general managers yeah, yeah. Um, now you know having said that you know I still think that the best candidate here in Calgary is an internal one in Craig Conroy and I've been beating the drums for him as a lot of other people have um, but if the decision is made to go outside the organization think about what Don Maloney said in terms of what he was looking for he wants a, a bright young mind he wants someone that you know that will complement his vision which is a bit more old school and and really at the time you know we weren't sure what was happening with Kyle Dubas but I'm thinking to myself he's talking about Kyle Dubas or someone like Kyle mm-hmm. Dubas the difference is that Kyle Dubas has been a general manager for five years in Toronto and say what you will I know a lot of people think he did a good job some people think he did a poor job if you really break it down the decision to sign John Tavares turned out to be a disaster if they had only just not done that one thing and save that $11 million to accommodate all the other cap issues that, that came up. I, I think his, his resume is excellent. And, and, and I would be looking at, at hiring him. Um, I'm sure the Islanders at some point 
you know, I mean, he succeeded Lou Lamoureux in Toronto. Could he succeed Lou Lamoureux in, in, in New York ultimately? Yeah. Um, and, but the other part of it is that, that I think the way Brendan Shanahan was outlining what he wants in a general manager, he was describing Brad Tree Living. You know, he was looking for someone with experience, someone that would not shrink away from, from this job. I mean, you know, I think one of the things that, that most of, that we all think, but a lot of Tree Living's peers think as well, which is really important because, you know, you're working with 32 general managers. It, he's got his fingers in every pie. He's got his eyes and ears open all the time. Um, you know, he has a really disarming manner with, with the press and the public. I, I, I think he would be perfect. You know, can you imagine a scenario on September 1st where Brad Tree Living is running the Leafs and Kyle Dubas is the general manager here in Calgary? I don't think it's completely out of the realm of, of possibility. And the one thing I would go back to, too, with, with, uh, with what Don Maloney said was that, you know, he, he wants to hire the right person. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if he can't get that person immediately, this, can, this decision can, can spill into the, into the future. And, and so, you know, he's been, Don Maloney's been a general manager in the National Hockey League for a long time. I think he could easily steer the ship for a, a period of time um, if if that's what it will take to you know to at least call Kyle Dubas and see if this is something he'd be interested in. So anyway, it's a fascinating time because you know like and and a lot of all of this you know think about how things have changed in two weeks. You know, going into the second round of the playoffs, we were talking about potentially an All Canadian final. Yep. You know, Toronto was a betting favorite in the East. Edmonton was a betting favorite in the West. It didn't seem that far-fetched. And then the events of two weeks just shifted everything. You know, people are really disappointed in Edmonton and Connor McDavid is saying Stanley Cup or bust. And then, you know, then these crazy changes in, in Toronto today. So, wow, there's never, never seems to be a shortage of news, Bob. <laughs> nope, there never is. Um, we had uh, Craig Button on earlier and he was only able to watch the first part of uh, Brendan Shanahan's press conference, but I want to ask you what he brought up. Um, at the beginning of the week, Kyle Dubas had a, a you know, a end of the season roundup with the media and yeah. seemed to make some headlines by his honesty that, you know, yeah. was not, I don't think he ever used the word burned out, but wanted to talk to his family. And if it wasn't Toronto, it wasn't anywhere else. Um, right. Craig said that, that Brendan seemed to bring that up. What was your, what was your assessment of, of what happened Monday and how it influenced today? Well, yeah, I, I think that one of the things that Brendan Shanahan said, and I, by the way, I recommend you know, that anybody that's listening to this podcast, when, when they finish listening to us, they can find the Brendan Shanahan mm-hmm. uh, press conference pretty avail- uh, you know, pretty widely on Twitter or on the Leafs website. And uh, it's really compelling. Like I, you know, at different times I, I thought, okay, I'm going to write that down. I got to write that down. And, and uh, but so but to your question, so I, I think that that Brendan Shanahan said that what he took out of that very honest press conference was that he that Kyle Dubas wasn't sure if he wanted to return as the general manager of the Leafs. And then that forced him to to rethink his position, which was that, that he was prepared to offer him extension. And, and they were they were talking about it and they felt that they were well on, on the way to uh to uh to resolving it and then um you know then there's a further detail which is that uh that kyle dubas's agent presented a financial counter offer that was more than what they talked about before and so that added a wrinkle to it but then the first question in the press conference from our friend chris johnson was 
so was this a financial, purely a financial decision? And the answer was no, it wasn't. It was more of a, you know, you know, if, if his commitment isn't as strong as it appeared to be a week ago, yep. then maybe we need to, to rethink what, what we're doing. So as I said, nuanced and shades of gray through there that, uh, that, that make this, you know, absolutely fascinating. Um, you know, and, and, and the one thing that's, you know, a little bit discouraging from our perspective is that, you know, here are two people, you know, Kyle Dubas and then Brendan Shanahan, who are, who are basically, you know, going out and, and speaking their truths, which you, you really rarely hear, you know, you, mm-hmm. you often have to, you know, I always joke that it's like the old Kremlin, Kremlinologists in, in the 80s and the 90s, there would be a statement from mm-hmm. the Soviet Union, and then there would be people who would say, this phrase means this, that phrase means that you would need someone to interpret it. Yep. And a lot of, a lot of, you know, NHL and professional sports teams, press conferences are like that. You know, you need somebody to, you know, to read between the lines, to, to understand the, the nuances. And, and so, you know, I, I don't want to ever discourage people from saying this was a hard stretch this last little bit. And, you know, and I've, you know, they didn't say he was ignoring his family, but but I think what happens is when, when you get into that hockey vacuum, you know, you're just so focused on, on the task at hand and, and, and important things like family sometimes become secondary and slip through the cracks. And then, you know, then the season is over and, and you turn around and your kids have grown and, and, and you're just, you know, you're basically reintroducing yourself there. And, um, you know, and that, that's a big part of, of life, right? I always say family yep. and health are the two most important things and then everything else they're important, but but those are the most important things, and and that's what I heard from from Kyle Dubas there, and, and I I believe that too. So I, I don't really have a problem with anyone anyone saying that. So um, so you know, but we can we can analyze to death how both of those teams got to where they were, mm-hmm. and and would there have been ways of 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 having you know Brad Tree Living continue in Calgary and Kyle Dubas in, in Toronto. Maybe, but here's the reality: both teams are looking for new general managers, and and the two men that we're speaking of, I think, are are both really good at, at what they do, and um and and you know it'd be a, a fascinating thing if they switch portfolios, and that that's the whole point. You know, we're sure. all, we, yeah. we trade players all the time, right? Yep. You know, we trade players hypothetically, teams trade players. Um, we I've joked over the years of all the years that I've writing teams should trade coaches and in many ways that happened this year. If you look at, if you look at just the final four in, in the national hockey league yep. right now, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, Peter DeBoer is, you know, coaching, you know, against his former team and, and Bruce Cassidy left Boston and, and Jim Montgomery went there. So two, you know, so a three-way coaching swap, two teams are still playing for a championship and, and the other, coached the, the Bruins to the best regular season in history. So, you know, a de facto coaching swap that worked out for all three teams. So now I think we need to start talking about that then in terms of general managers. So that's what I'm proposing that, uh, <laughs> that, that, you know, the teams just turn the page and, and, um, and, and Brad, Brad living takes over the Leafs and uh, Kyle Dubas comes in here and works with Don Maloney and, and, and the group that they have. And let's see how they uh, resolve that. What about the the report uh, by Pierre Lebrun and I believe Frank Saravelli uh, that the Flames aren't allowing uh, Brad Trilliving to yeah. interview for jobs? And you yeah. know, as Craig Hon- or as Craig Button pointed out, you sign a deal, you sign a deal. Um, yeah. no, I, would the Maple Leafs I, I, be patient? Um, 
well, I, th I think that they could circle back to the Flames and ask for that same permission. And, and if they're told that they can't, um, that complicates things enormously because, mm -hmm. you know, they have, they have some personnel decisions to make ahead of July the 1st uh, in, in terms of, of uh, no trade clauses that kick in. So that would complicate things. But, yeah, I mean, I understand, you know, Craig's position on that. The, the one thing that I would say is that, it seems a bit spiteful to me to, to deny, um, you know, uh, yep. Brad Tree Living permission to find a job elsewhere. Um, it was framed as a mutual agreement. Um, doesn't sound very mutual when you know the, the you know when, when the, you know the, the the flames deny him permission to, to to talk to a team that has a general manager's opening. Um, if you're the Calgary Flames, what you have to hope in the in the macro picture is to create a good work environment and and to become a, a destination around the National Hockey League. And lots of lots of times over the you know uh, years that they've operated here, they have been that. You know, they they had great teams in in the '80s. Yep. The ownership there with Harley Hotchkiss and and uh, Doc Seaman. Um, where you know players still talk about uh, about the familial feeling of the organization then, and um, you know there, there are a lot of strikes against uh, against small market teams in Canada, especially as you know a, a team like Calgary that's operating in a building that doesn't have the, mm -hmm. the same amenities that say Edmonton has. So so what you want to do is create this impression that we are we are a, a welcoming organization. We are an organization that wants you to play here and we will show you why and so i think it just sends the wrong message if, if you're denying uh, your general manager your former general manager uh, an opportunity to seek employment elsewhere you know people around the national hockey league are you know friends of of bradtree livings um they they look at that and say hmm you know the, the, do i want to work for an organization that that would do something like that so you know, they're, 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 of course, they're within their rights to do that. Sure. You know, and they, you can, you can hold everyone to your contract, or you can, you can simply say, you know, we have parted ways, and uh, and you know, God bless, you know, good luck, uh, you know, in, in where you go next, and and we're turning our attention to our future. That, that's the pragmatic, middle of the road way to do things, and certainly that would be if, if you put me in charge, Rob. That's <laughs> how I would do it. You want to put me in I do want to put you in charge. I would let you do it. <laughs> one, la one last one about, and it's not really about Toronto, but it kind of is. And I, I hate to, you know, I, I, I don't really like to take runs at other people in the media. But Eric, this, this storyline after Dubis's press conference on Monday and up to today was, you know, if the Maple Leafs want to keep Austin Matthews, they've got to keep Kyle Dubas because Kyle Dubas has a good relationship with Austin Matthews. I do find that a little bit tough to swallow. Uh, or, or am I wrong about that? I mean, is no, it... You're no. 100% right. Yeah. No, no, I mean, obviously, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that, that Kyle has a relationship with Matthews and through Matthews' agent, Judd Moldaver, who is going to negotiate this contract extension. Um, you know, I think people do lose, lose sight of the fact that even though they are eligible to sign a contract extension on July 1st, it doesn't mean that you have to sign a contract no. extension on July 1st. You have 12 months to do it. Uh, you can you can do it at any point during the summer. Um, 
and uh, but the reality is that the relationship between the general manager of the team and the star player of the team mm-hmm. is arm's length. I mean, you you have to have a much better relationship with a coach because the coach is in your ear on a, on a daily basis. But but the you know GMs don't check in with the players except for a handful of times. Like, everything okay? You know, uh, any way I can help? They, so you know, if, if there's somebody else running the ship, you know, there, you know, you, you probably want to know what the, the vision of that general manager is, but, but that vision is articulated in the layer above that. That's, you know, Brendan Shanahan's vision that the general manager is going to implement. And so, uh, so I don't, I, I just don't think it's that important. Um, I, I think that whoever takes, whoever gets that job in Toronto next is going to, do the same thing that that Kyle Dubas would have done, which is, uh, you know, here's, you know, we want Austin Matthews to stay. Austin Matthews has publicly said he wants to stay. We should be able to find a way of making this work. Here are the comparable dollars. You know, here are the the options. You know, you, you can go short term, medium term, long term. You can do the whole eight years. I think there are, you know, I mean, the other complication this week, of course, is that whole notion of what happens with the Arizona Coyotes. Yep. Because I think there were people that thought that there was a chance that that Austin Matthews might take, um, you know, a, a three to five year contract with, with the Leafs, because then that gives you a chance to to potentially win during the the window that they're in right now. And then if he wants to sign another contract and potentially go home, and if by then they have a new building in, in Arizona, and if they have a team in Arizona, then he could then you know, three to five years from now, he's still, you know, a guy that, that might go home. So now, of course, you know, after the, the news out of, out of Tempe, where the, um, you know, the, the various proposals that were made in, in that voter referendum were all turned down, you know, the Coyotes are back to square one in terms of either finding a permanent home in, in, in the Phoenix metropolitan area or potentially looking at relocation scenarios. So, that would be another reason why with the uncertainty there that, you know, that Austin Matthews would be prepared to commit uh, to, to Toronto, at least in the short to short to medium term. So, and I don't think it matters who hands the contract over or who's negotiating it. Uh, If he wants to stay, the numbers are going to be the numbers and, um, and, and that can, that can be resolved. It, It shouldn't be that complicated. Um, do you care to opine at all about uh, the Arizona Coyotes? I thought of you because it was only a month or six weeks ago you wrote the, you know, expansion article about possible cities, you know, and and who where they could go. And it was funny because as as that story broke, that was really the first thing, right? Right? Like, where are they going to go? They're gonna, they're going to leave. Gary Bettman has to have a plan. I, you know, I. I, I can't believe the fight's over. Maybe it is, but I can't believe it's over yet. So my column right off, like right off of that event, because I was asked to do a column right off of that, because you're right, everybody else did that. You know, here's where the team will go next. And here are the, here are the options. And, and, and all of us know who the, you know, the Houston is the best option yep. from a national hockey league point of view. It's a revival for Dallas, you know, the team could, compete in the, in the central division, you know, possibly San Salt Lake city, possibly Kansas city. But I wrote exactly that on Wednesday morning, I guess it was, or Tuesday morning. I can't, I get my days mixed up because everything is such a slur, but, <laughs> but, but my, my contention was just what you said, which is that, you know, Gary Bettman has spent 27 mm-hmm. years of his 30 years as the NHL commissioner 
propping up this franchise. And, and, and I made the point, because this is true, that in the early days of the franchise, when they were playing at America West Arena downtown, the place was lively. It was packed. It was, it was a great atmosphere. Phoenix did look like a hockey town, as, as inconceivable as that might have seemed to, to a lot of people. It, it was catching on. The problem, of course, with the building was that it was a, a basketball. The configuration was for a basketball team. There, that whole one side of, of the rink was obstructed view seats. So those are premium seats in a, in a hockey arena that they can't sell because you can't see the gold net below you. And so it was it was not um, it was not the right place for the team. They needed a, a, a hockey only or a um, hockey mainly building. And uh, you know, ultimately, they decided to go out to Glendale, and, and that has been a disaster from, from the word go. And, and, and I'll preface that by saying I love going to Glendale for, for games, but that's because I stayed at that Renaissance hotel right beside the arena yep. and that, you know, and that you have that, uh, that entertainment district right there. There was a yard house where you could get a, a beer after the game. There was a Jimmy Buffett store yep, there where you could was. buy Jimmy Buffett t-shirts. I mean, it was, it was fantastic, but it wasn't if you were living in Scottsdale and had to take the ring road to, to the games because the traffic was so bad. And then, you know, at the end of the, you know, the game's over 11 or whatever, and it's three quarters of an hour on a, on a, on a dark highway to, to get back home. And it just, it, it just the geography of, of it defeated it. So I've always maintained that in the right place, that market can survive. And, um, and yet, and, and Tempe seemed like the right place. So if that had gone forward, I, you know, I think a lot of people would have been happy that the, the, the soap opera or the drama was over and, you know, shovels in the ground after the, you know, the land had been remediated and, and, you know, and if they have a new building, you know, the, you know, the timing of the rebuild would probably coincide with going into the new building and, and it would be, you know, everybody would live happily ever after, but that doesn't seem to be the case. But to get back to your original point, I, I, I think there was always like a plan B and a plan C that they didn't want to state publicly because they were hoping that plan A would go forward. Well, now that plan A didn't go forward, they're going to continue to, to look at ways of keeping the team there for a lot of reasons, including the fact that they don't want to lose the market. They've invested so much time in the market and B when they finally get around to expanding the NHL again, the 33rd and 34th teams will pay a billion dollars each to get into the league. And if you take Houston away because you're relocating Phoenix, that's a billion dollars out of your coffers, which you don't have to share with the players. So that's a big deal there too. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, and they have, they have, you know, since that column was posted, they have publicly announced that they'll play in the mullet arena for at least one more year and then, and then see what their contingency plans are. You know, the downtown building, which has been renamed um, is now not, you know, it's just not an option for hockey anymore. Um, I can't see them going back to Glendale. You know, there's a few, other options, presumably, but you could also, you know, maybe get different investors in there with with different plans and proposals, all of which will be probably done behind the scenes. And at some point, you know, maybe in two or three months, there will be an, an, another pitch similar to the the one in, in Tampa for a new building and, and so on and so forth. So we're not at the end of the of the road yet for uh, for Arizona, for sure. As a story and as an author and someone who's written books before, is this a good drama? Would this make a good book or is it exhausting? <laughs> That's well framed as a question because, because I, I, you know, a book, it probably wouldn't be a, a, a good book. I think it would be, uh, you know, a, a, a daytime soap opera for sure. <laughs> 
that's because, an option too. <laughs> well, because you know, there's always these these twists and, and turns, and uh, you know, at, at the end of an episode, there's always like a cliffhanger, yeah. and that's what seems to have been the case. To uh, either that, or or you know, I mean, you could have potentially have a drama modeled on Succession uh, if you went through all of the different ownership groups, right? Beginning with you know, uh, you know. Uh, Richard Burke buying the team, um, you know, at the time, I, you know, I, I mean, I had to refresh my memory on this, but I went back and, and looked at some of the things that I'd written and I'd forgotten that the original plan was to, to, to take that team and, and put it into Minnesota because Minnesota had lost the team to mm-hmm. Dallas and they originally wanted to go in there. This is before the wild uh, expansion franchise and, and, and that didn't work out. And so, so then they went to, to, to Phoenix, but Phoenix was a B plan to the original ownership group uh, uh, who bought the team from Barry Schenkero in, in Winnipeg. And then, you know, and, and then Richard Burke eventually, you know, handed the team over to Steve Ellman and Steve Ellman knocked on Wayne Gretzky's door and gave him a minority stake in the team to come in and, and coach. And, and, you know, I think they felt that his presence would, uh, would create interest in the team, which it did. And, um, and, and then it just, it went, from there, uh, you know, the Jim Valsilli saga, you know, trying to move the team to Hamilton, the league stepping in to block that mm-hmm. with the help of, of a favorable court ruling. Then Gary Bettman, the de facto CEO, because the league was running the team when Jerry Moyes put it into bankruptcy. And then, you know, then they eventually found new ownership and then that didn't work out. And then they have the current ownership. And so I, I think the way you described it, exhausting is, is a really good way of describing it. Would somebody watch something as exhausting as that? It depends on the actors, I suppose. You know, <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Playing, playing the roles of those various owners because every one of them had some quirks and eccentricities. So, uh, and, and especially if you wanted to fictionalize a few things, although you probably wouldn't have to fictionalize much, but, uh, but yes, uh, I don't know, a book, I, put it this way. I wouldn't want to. <laughs> okay. That, well, that, that, that's all I want to know. Um, they are still playing games. Uh, we will see the Western Conference kickoff tonight. That's where I want to kind of go with you. Um, you know, I, I was saying it before. I, I just, I don't think we've seen, I, I just don't believe this is Jake Ottinger. I, I think there's another, you know, we've seen that level last year in the playoffs. He hasn't been consistent. Having said that, you know, on the other side, there's a really cool story about Aiden Hill. Um I'm, you know, I was looking at the comparables. We put up the comparables earlier. The one thing that that really does work in favor of Vegas, though, Eric, is their five-on-five defense has been a lot better than uh, than than Dallas is so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, we have to make picks, and yep. I sat there and stared at it, and uh, and part of the problem with making picks in this year's playoffs is that if if you focus too much on on the goaltending matchup. You, you always got it wrong, right? You yep. always got it wrong because Connor Hellebuck was supposed to be to give Winnipeg an edge and he didn't. And Vasilevsky was supposed to give Tampa an edge and he didn't. And so, you know, you think about, you know, these these goaltenders with the bulletproof resumes and, and the, you know, and either the Vezina Trophy nominations or the Stanley Cups on, on their resume and they were playing against much lesser lights and, and they were defeated uh, anyway. And so... So that tells me that, um, to your point, that the way teams play in front of goaltenders is as important as the saves they make. And I always go back to, 
you know, uh, goaltenders on, on the really good teams where good is good enough. And I think that's mm -hmm. what we've seen in these playoffs. I mean, think about it. Uh, you know, we're watching all these broadcasts. There's all these different betting sites and, and, and different betting propositions that you can make. Well, if, if someone had said to you that with four teams remaining, the featured goaltenders would be Bobrovsky, <laughs> Freddie Anderson, Aiden Hill, <clears throat> and Jake Ottinger. Can you imagine oh, you know, the, yeah. the odds of something like that? Mm -hmm. It would have to be like, you know, picking the, you know, the final four in the in, in NCAA basketball this year. Uh, you know, Bobrovsky yep. started on the bench because Alex Lyon had taken over the job. Ranto was the goaltender in, in the first game for Carolina. You know, Vegas had Laurent Brossois and and Ottinger would be maybe the one guy that you could see that being there at, at, at the start. But the other three no chance. I mean, Bobrovsky didn't have a good year. Um, you know, they wouldn't have made the playoffs if Alex Lyon hadn't come in and played nope. so well down the stretch. You know, Freddie Anderson, just, you know, love him, but he seems to get hurt all the time. And he gets hurt at the most inopportune times or he gets sick in the most inopportune times. And so you just don't feel that you can ever trust him. And and Vegas has been, a, you know, a circus with all of the goaltenders that, uh, that they've used this year, including the one that they didn't at the start of the year, Robin Leonard, and the fact that they've settled on Aiden Hill here is, is remarkable. Great story, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I do think that, you know, other people have pointed this out, but I, but I agree with this, that, you know, Sean Burke is probably the best goalie whisperer in the NHL. I go back to, you know, how he turned Ilya Brzezgalov uh, around. I mean, he turned him into an all-star and then he yep. goes to Philadelphia and no Sean Burke and, you know, he's out of the league and, you know, one to two years. So I just think he has, a, he speaks the language of goaltenders. He doesn't try to, to, to change their technique too much, but he just, he, he, he has historically helped one goaltender after another find their, their best games. And so I think that that's part of what's, uh, what's happened there. So I do think that the way Vegas defends in front of Hill and the number of, uh, of low danger chances that they give up compared to high danger chances means that if you are good enough, and then Hill has been that since he's come in in relief of Laurent Brossois, that it almost feels like the, the goaltending is a wash. Now, if Ottinger gets to the level that he was at in the Calgary series, then the goaltending isn't a wash. Yep. Then it, it's it's heavily favored in in, uh, in Dallas's uh, direction. And uh, so that's the one thing about about starting a fresh round is it gives everybody a reset, right? So Ottinger didn't hasn't had the best playoffs so far, and he certainly didn't have the best round against uh, Seattle. But you know now, now you, you you know you've got a, a fresh best of seven, so you have you suddenly have a margin of error that you might not have had at the end of, of the last series. Yep. And if he comes back and just plays, well, as I say, the the way we we saw him play last year, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if you know a month from now they're lifting the Stanley Cup because that is the one place on paper that Dallas is way better than everybody else on paper. On paper, um, last night we we saw four extra periods. You know, why not? And so nice. We'll play twice. Um, what's the longest game you ever covered? Boy, that's a good question, Rob. I, uh, I was looking at those lists of, uh, of you know, the, the four overtime games, and, and I don't believe I ever had a four overtime game. The longest ones from a – I always measure it in terms of – I used to be in the newspaper business. Yep. And, you know, can you get a story in on deadline? Because in, in those days, if you missed a newspaper deadline, if they started printing the newspaper, there was no website to, to spill the story onto. You know, you were writing for, for the next day. So I do remember Buffalo-Dallas – 
that final in the crease goal mm-hmm. inside 1999 Stanley Cup final. That was really difficult because it was a it was in overtime. It was the deciding game, and then it was the controversy, and, and yep. so that one that one felt endless. And then the year that the Flames were eliminated in uh, in 1990 in the in the playoffs against Los Angeles, where Krushelnitsky's shot is fluttering up, and Mike Vernon is reaching back, and if he was three inches taller, he probably catches the thing, but it goes in the net, and the Flames are accusing Denny Morell of cheating, and uh, and that one for sure. Alan Mackey <laughs> and I are sitting there in the in the press room in in Los Angeles, and you know, two eighteen in the morning, and we're done. You know, there was there was no way to get that in, but uh, but you know. The, the, it, it, and it's obviously it's an ordeal for anybody that has to sit there and write and, and watch and and but it's ten times the ordeal for players and and that's actually something that I touched on in, in today's column too because you know the one thing that I give both Carolina and Florida credit is that they made goaltending switches in in these playoffs and that's not something that old school thinkers would have ever thought possible the old school rule yep. of thumb was that you know you you made sure that your starting goaltender had enough rest during the regular season so that he was fresh for the playoffs but then once the playoffs started it was his job for two months and and you only make a change if there's an injury and and so you know carolina and florida both made changes for strategic reasons and they both paid off and so you go into game two and you have two goaltenders, Bobrovsky and Anderson, both of whom can be injury prone, both of whom are a little bit older. And you just simply give them the night off because you do have a trusted option in Ranta and, and, and Lyon. And then that allows your, your goaltenders who played, you know, you know, two games plus uh, a chance to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to just freshen up again. And, and that's not an easy decision. Nope. Because it's probably easier for Paul Maurice because he has a one nothing lead and uh, they won that game on the road. And if he comes back with Alex Lyon and they happen to steal it, now you go back and, and you're up to nothing, you know, you're in control really. And, and if you lose that game, then at least you have a fresh Sergei Bobrovsky at home for, for, for game three. Harder if you're Rod Brindamore, but he may do it. You know, he may do it because I do think that it, it's, there's a physical toll uh, on those, uh, on those players. And, and the other thing that I remember is that often after a really long playoff game like that, that's so exciting and so dramatic, and then everybody goes to the well, the next game is very flat. Yep. You know, like yeah. there's just, there's yeah. just no energy that, you know, they, they're trying and they're trying, but they just can't summon it up again that quickly in that, that short of time, short period of time. And, and, and I do expect that that's what will happen in, in game two. It just won't be nearly the spectacle that we saw last night yeah I, it's funny i the, i thought a little bit last night and i know i'm not sure it was the same length but because we just lost him was peter klima and uh, oh, yeah. the the yeah. famous story about being benched well, i was in that one too oh yeah okay i was <laughs> oh, okay. i was at that one too yeah, okay about that. right well and, and i think wasn't that the night that the lights went the out? lights went out <laughs> wasn't there or was fog in that oh. series too right yeah i know i mean they're, they all kind of that was the thing they all kind of blur but i but yeah i was asked to do the uh the um the obituary on on peter klima and and i think it was partly because uh i said yeah i was at that game and, and again you know it, here so here was a guy peter klima who was like this unbelievable offensive player who wouldn't check his hat and frustrated <laughs> an endless number of, of coaches and yeah so you know and it was john muckler who was running the orders at the time and 
And, you know, like he stapled him to the bench because, you know, in a, in a game where, where one mistake costs you at your end, he just felt that it was too risky to play him. Well, at a certain point, you know, like nobody has any legs at all and they're just dragging their way back to the bench. And you've got a guy there who is a skilled offensive player and you need a goal and he's fresh and you put him out there and wouldn't you know it, he scores the winning goal. So that was, that was brilliant. Uh, but also... You know, I mean, that's what, you, you know, maybe you should have put him out a period before that. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but those games, yeah, I, I mean, they are, you know, they're the stuff of legend. They know, are. We were, and we were, when we were going, reflecting back on, on the career of Peter Klima, we all seized on, on that particular moment at, and, uh, and what that meant for, you know, really the Oilers, because that was, you know, the, the springboard to winning the, the, you know, that fifth Stanley Cup in seven years and cementing their legacy as a, as a dynasty. So, yeah. Yeah, those are all, um, you know, when you reflect back on, on all of the games you covered and seen, that was, that was certainly one that um, stands out. Um, speaking of standing out, before I let you go, uh, it has nothing to do with anything other than the two things and, and it came up again this week in a couple of different conversations. The two things that I often get asked about from the previous life in this business was Craig Conroy's phone call at two 30 in the morning after game seven against Vancouver in round one in 2004 and Eric Dehatchik's top 50 concerts. And I had somebody ask me this week if we were planning on doing something else. So um, I'm, I guess I'm asking because it's still to this day I get people coming up. Is there anything with this format that we'd like to do? Because um, people really dug that, Eric. People really enjoyed that. Con- and I don't. Was that about ten years ago now, or so? Or well, I can tell you exactly when it was. So it was the, It was my top sixty. Top sixty. Okay. The year that I turned sixty. Okay. So seven and a half years ago. Okay. <laughs> and I haven't, I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen that many concerts since then. Um, I, you know, again, the pandemic really yeah. got into the, the concert viewing thing. I, I do remember one of the great shows that I've seen since then was uh, Fleetwood Mac at the, uh, at the Saddle Dome, the third rescheduled time. Yep. Um, and, uh, and, and I think I had tickets for the first one and returned them. And then, you know, and then when the second one was scheduled, I was, I think I was away and, and I wasn't going to be able to go. And then, and that one was canceled. And so they came back and it was November of 2019. And, uh, and I was able to get, you know, 11th or 12th row on, on the floor. And uh, I'd seen them uh, on the rumors tour in, in, in Edmonton in the seventies. And, um, and they were fantastic. You know, Christine McVie, of course, was still alive then. So being able to see her and mm-hmm. see Nicks and, Lindsay Buckingham wasn't touring with the band, but uh, Mike Campbell from the Heartbreakers was there, and then he was tremendous, and it was it was a great show. And um, but yes, uh, you know, if you want to talk about music, what here's what I propose. You know, at, at some point the hockey season will end. Yep. And uh, and uh, you know maybe if you want to some point in, in July and August to you know just drift into a music thing, I'll happily talk about. It. I'll okay. talk about it for hours if if you want, because uh, we can talk about those concerts that I've seen, other ones that I wish I'd seen. That was one of the questions that, that I've, I've been asked, uh, you know, who would you have liked to have seen that you haven't already seen? And, and I, I keep changing, you know, like yep. it's hard to come up with one. Yep. Like my, sta- my first answer was always Bob Marley and the Whalers mm-hmm. um, because I, you know, I, when James Muratich and I were roommates together, James was the 
former music critic of, of the Albertan and the, and, and the Herald, and we went to journalism school together in, in the late 70s. Um, like I remember when Uprising arrived because James would get all the records for free. And that was, you know, the final cut on the second side was Redemption Song. It just blew us away. And then, you know, and it wasn't really a hit, you know, or, or eventually it, it became a hit. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's one of the, the most enduring songs from his, his, his legacy. And it's funny, flying back from California yesterday, I was listening to uh, a live Bob Marley concert. I think it was his final live show in Pittsburgh. And uh, brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. I was in the mood to listen to, to reggae music. So for sure, you know, if, if, if either I could go back in time or we could bring Bob Marley back, that, that, would, that would be, be the one that I'd like to see. But, but, you know, but one, one of my favorite bands from the 60s were the Kinks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, by the time I was old enough to, to, to potentially see them, especially that original lineup that included Ray and Dave Davies, um, they just never seemed to be where, where I was. And, and I always thought they were one of the great underrated bands. And, and if you take the top 10 songs by them, or I, what I would say is my 10th favorite, they would... I might like the, my favorite the 10 Kink songs more than my favorite 10 Beatles songs, maybe more than my favorite 10 Rolling Stones songs. So, yep. um, and of course I, I bring the perspective of someone who was starting to listen to music in 1965. So I go back a long way and, and, you know, and, and I, while I try to stay current, um, I'm finding it harder and harder yeah. all the time to find music that, that resonates with me. So, but yes, if you want to have a music conversation, I do, I do, because uh, well, we still get absolutely. people's <laughs> people I, twice in the last week, different people have brought it up. And I remember at the station, I just, you know, the couple of people like, you're doing what? And then I just remember the feedback we got from, I, I had to stay in my car and listen to the end. I needed to know what number one was and things like that. And um, it was hard not to think about you uh, a couple of weeks ago when we lost um, uh, Gordon Lightfoot. Um, oh, yeah. because well, that, that was a tough day, boy. That yeah. was a tough day. In fact, I, it's funny. I, uh, Jeff Merrick had tweeted out something about, you know, send your reminiscences of, of Lightfoot. So I, I did, I sent him a direct message on, on Twitter. And then he, he sent me a note back saying, can I read this on the air? And I said, of course, no problem. And he was, he had uh, Gordon Lightfoot's drummer on, on his show. And, um, and yeah, so we talked about seeing, you know, him live, for the very first performance of the record, the Edmund Fitzgerald, which I did in 1976 because I was living in Toronto at the time and used to go to those Massey Hall residences all the time. And Gordon Lightfoot was, is the one artist that I've seen more than any others. I, I think I was trying to count at least 20 times all different stages of his career. I think that the latter part of his catalog, it gets unfairly ignored. Yeah. Honestly, when I, when I pull out my Lightfoot records on Saturday morning, it's often, you know, a painter passes through or harmony. Those are the albums that I reach for more than Sundown or, or yep. you know, or some of the older ones. So, um, so yeah, that that was a really tough day because you know you you know you always, you know, sort of reflect back on what his music means to you and and who you were at the time that you were listening to these songs and uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was extraordinary. The one thing I would say, I, I mean, if people. Um, haven't done it yet there is an unbelievable gordon lightfoot concert on youtube that he recorded as a very young artist uh, at the bbc and if you just type in gordon lightfoot bbc Mm -hmm. uh, it'll come up on youtube and um and i watched it the night that he passed away again i've seen it multiple times and uh 
it's just unbelievably moving, you know, and he covers some really interesting things. Like he does, he covers farewell to Nova Scotia and it's just so bouncy and wonderful. So yeah. Do you want to, we already spent a lot. Of time I know. Well, <laughs> and I was just going to say, I was asking you before about, you know, what would make a, a, a good book. Um, and we, I, some of it we might have to retell, but I love the story about the ABBA press conference in Edmonton because it's, it's ABBA having a press conference in Edmonton, right? Like it's. And it was the very first North American concert they ever did. So right. They, they, they didn't tour in North America until yep. 1979, I think it was. And, uh, you know, they'd made appearances on talk shows and so sure. on and so forth. But the first ever, you know, stadium tour arena tour was then and again i i was i was accredited as a photographer i still have a picture i can bring it in next time i see you of agnetha and anna frida that i shot from the the photographer's pit in 1979 at uh, northlands uh, because james was there reviewing the concert and in those days reporters also doubled as photographers That's, uh, <laughs> so so i I used to shoot ski racing and concerts. Those are the only two things I ever shot. So. Uh, I love it. All right. Well, we'll do that in the off season. Um, who knows when we meet two weeks from now, what the topics will be and, and who will be employed and who won't be. But uh, I appreciate you joining us on what has turned out to be a very hectic day. All right. It's always my pleasure, Rob. All right, buddy. Eric Dehatchik, everybody from The Athletic. Uh, we will do that. We'll bring Eric in and we'll do another music show. And it's, it's, Swear to God, those are the two ones, the two that come up all the time. People ask about Craig Conroy's call in the uh, after Game Seven in two thousand four, and they talk about Eric DeHatchuk's, um sixty concerts, top sixty. And I remember going to Kelly Kirsch and saying, "I want to do this on the radio," and he's like, "Well," and I said, "Come on, just let me try." So we recorded it, and then we replayed it as um, around Christmas and stuff like that, and and it was just. Phenomenal. At that time, I think people were accepting, and and I think, you know, it wasn't for everybody, but for those who who enjoyed it, really enjoyed it, and we'll do something like that again. So, of course, Eric, uh, we mentioned, came. He he just talked about it. He used to uh, be a photographer when he was covering skiing as well. Ski Seller Snowboard, SkiSellerSnowboard.com, seventy six years in Calgary. Believe that seventy six years and craig button said i could have bought skis in switzerland i'm gonna buy them here in calgary three locations mcleod trail by chinook center 17th avenue southwest bow ridge road in the northwest uh let's wrap it up it's been a busy day kyle dubas no longer the general manager of the toronto maple leafs uh, obviously that'll have large repercussions across the uh, national hockey league the flames expected to name a general manager rather soon um not that I'm threatening anybody, but it better be Conroy. If it's not Conroy, it better be Pascal. And if it's not those two, then it better be Eric Tehachek, who just said, you know, he'd, he'd take the job. So there you go. Final mile for you. Actually, quite a bit to talk about. We are eight days away. Uh, and I, I say that, uh, actually, I'm going to have to say this for all three of the things that I'm bringing up in the final mile. I am connected to them. I am uh you know, this is what I do, but um, it's important for me to do it anyway. But just so you know, it, it's coming from me, and, and I do have ties to all three stories. Um, <clears throat> one week, uh, eight days away from the Calgary Surge and the C Canadian Elite Basketball League tipping off at Winsport. 90% um, sold out. Looks like the home opener is going to be sold out. Uh, really excited to see the response and really excited to see how people are going to enjoy. Um, the the roster is pretty cool. Two, two guys with experience in the NBA uh, I believe a half dozen guys with experience in the G League and pro leagues are you know it's going to be a great 
caliber of, of basketball, but more excited to see how it all comes together because uh, the way that it's being set up, the intersection of sport, community, art, and culture, um, I really, there's some things we're going to try and, and I hope it all works. Some might fail, but some of it's going to work really cool. So I'm excited about that. Um, Riley Bud, I, I normally, I just avoid elite sports and elite young athletes. Cause I think, you know, there's too much and, and, you know, just let them be kids sort of thing. And, and I worry more about the grassroots, but I want to acknowledge Riley Bud, uh, who was named, uh, hockey Alberta's, uh, uh, player of the year. The reason I want to acknowledge this young man from Calgary is his work with our superheroes program. And he um, was part of a team that we played a couple years ago. They came out and played our kids so our kids could have a game experience. And he kind of fell in love with what the, the program was all about, helping our goaltenders. He raised $5,000. Riley Budd, the Al Hockey Alberta's player of the year, uh, in the, uh, I, b I believe they call it the Alberta Elite Hockey League now. He raised $5,000 so our kids could go to Ottawa. Uh, Brett Sutter helped out as well. But in particular, he helped out our goalies. And um, so not only is he great on the ice, but he, he gets it at such a young age. And I've had the chance to, to see the work that he's done and the influence he's had. So congratulations to Riley. Um, I'm going to leave you today. I started off this journey with you on this on the Nation Network back in February, and, and right out of the gate, my big thing was Calgary needs some heroes. Calgary needs some dreamers that were, were a little bit, we got too many managers and not enough leaders. Um, I really feel that. I, I still feel that, that, you know, the arena at that time seemed like a million miles away. Maybe it's closer. Um, you know, Commonwealth Games may be coming and things like that. Um, but one of the groups that I get to work with and I'm very proud to work with is Parachutes for Pets, which works to um, uh, the under, um, you know, kind of the social safety net of people and their pets and vulnerable populations in Calgary. And um, through my three months working with them, I've, I've come to hear the stories and see the people that they work with and the impact that they've had. And 10 years ago, Sheldon Kennedy, um, who was an advocate uh, for, uh, you know, kids told his story about sexual abuse and was an unabashed advocate to help children and help families, started the Sheldon Kennedy Advocacy Center where he's enough with, you know, kids going through this, having to go to six or seven different places to talk to six and we're going to put them all under the same roof so that the child can come in, be taken care of, and we can make this as unintrusive as possible, that we have to be collaborative, that we can't keep putting up institutional barriers and institutional silos. With that as the inspiration, this week, Parachutes for Pets um, launched the vision for a new pet advocacy center. I'm really proud of this. I want to share it with you. So I'll thank you guys. I wish you a great long weekend. Thanks to Craig Button. Thanks to Eric DeHatchuk. Thanks to Jack. And thanks to Gavin, our producers. And if you can, uh, just stick around, enjoy the video. And if you can help or be part of it, please let me know. See you, not, not Monday. We're back next Wednesday with a couple of really special guests. Looking forward to that show right here on the Nation Network. Thanks, everybody. What do you do when things happen and you can't take your beloved pet or keep your beloved pet? My name is Melissa David-Smith and I am the founder of Parachutes for Pets. I understand this struggle all too well. In my early 20s, after I had just started my first job, I was diagnosed with cancer. I was single and I had my dog Charlie. He got me through the tough times, he got me through treatment. 
my doctor had encouraged me to go outside, get some exercise, get some vitamin D for my mental and physical health. I did those things, but I did it for Charlie. 10 years later, I still credit Charlie for getting me through those times. I couldn't have imagined what would have happened if I had to give him up. I created parachutes for pets one day in my car on my lunch break. When I heard another story, I kind of hit my breaking point about a pet that had been abandoned at a local pet store. Um, the pet needed severe veterinary intervention and a bunch of other things and unfortunately the pet had to be euthanized. When I asked why this may have happened, the answer was clear. There wasn't enough resources out there for the low income to be able to provide for their pets. 74% of people report that their mental health is increased by owning a pet. Our most vulnerable populations such as our seniors, our homeless, our children in foster care and our domestic violence survivors can all attest to this and those are the calls we take the most. During COVID, we saw seniors locked down and in isolation, and many seniors will happily tell you that's what got them through. Our main goal at Parachutes for Pets is to keep pets with their guardians, whether that be providing a pet food bank, veterinary resources, education. There's so many gaps out there that we're trying to fill. We are very proud today to be announcing that we are opening the PFP Pet Advocacy Centre. This advocacy centre for pets is the first of its kind that we're aware of in the world and we aim to give a voice to pets in Calgary. We're going to do that by offering a larger pet food bank, a pet thrift store, a pet dignity store, pay as you can, as well as education programming and expanding on our vet care program. We're also going to collaborate with partnering organizations to have them all under one roof so that when our clients come here they can seek their resources as well, whether that be um, social workers, psychologists. This is a dream come true from where we were four years ago. Mental health has been cut more than ever, even by our government now, and we know that pets are a direct line to mental health. Together, we can make a difference in the lives of pets and their guardians in Calgary. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you have no idea where it's going? Well, I know. It's all of those subscriptions. I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and I had them cancel the ones I didn't want anymore. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash pod24. That's rocketmoney.com slash pod24. Rocketmoney.com slash pod24. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.